welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Gate Church. Do you know, it's our privilege that so many people call this church their home church. I have recently had two conversations with two different people who have left this church through different circumstances. One has moved away for, their, for a job and another one's had to move away through, through sad circumstances in their lives. In fact, there's another one who actually went away. He was part of another church in another city. And every one of them have come back and every one have said this, I always feel like I'm home coming back to the gate. Do you know this church is home to so many And the reason that is, is because you guys have made this place home. I've always spoken so often about when you've got folk coming to your home, you always prepare that place to welcome the people in. And I want to say thank you, as God and I being pastors of the church, for thank you for all that you do to make this church happen week upon week, during the week, running small groups, serving, reaching out to people. We know so many of you do so much to make this place happen. Do you know, when folk come into this place, I always want them to feel like I'm welcome. If we have an attitude of, I have my place to sit, I won't move. If somebody wants to sit in my seat, then I'm not going to ask them to move on. I want you to have an attitude of, hey, you guys are welcome to sit in my seat. So when I come in here on Sunday and there's not a seat here, I get it. I hear you. Do you know, there, does, there is a saying that says it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a church full of people who are heavenly minded to bring up others in Christ. And you guys are doing just that. You're helping, you're supporting one another. And I know that when you, there's a saying that says you walk with the wise, you become wise. Do you know when you look around the people that you hang out with, the top five people that you hang out with actually form the person that you're going to become in five years time. So who we hang out with, the ones that we allow to have input into us is actually really important. Do you know this season we're going through what the culture of our church is and Gordon's already said that we are talking on the culture of invitation and when the dignitaries came to our church where we were celebrating our 40th anniversary do you remember I spoke of the Lord Provost before he's an older gentleman who attends another church and when we were in the coffee bar this kid came and he ran right in front of us and I'm like I'm really really sorry I'm so sorry and he said to me never apologize for having kids in your church I took that rebuke, I really did. And the second thing he said to me was, I've been wanting to come to this church for a long time. Oh, that's very nice, well, why didn't you just come? And he said, well, I was waiting for my invitation. Do you know that was twice in one conversation, I heard an older man give me a rebuke and it was righteous rebuke. Can I say never ever apologize for your kids, for what they're doing, for what they're done. These kids are your kids that God has given to you into your hands for you to celebrate, for you to bring up in the ways of God. And do you know what? If they run around in this place screaming and shouting, then I say, thank God for kids in this church. As soon as a, ch- a child feels that you're putting them down, that you're rejecting them, they will feel rejected by God. That's why I always tell my kids that they are the best looking, smartest kids I'll ever come across and I'm their favorite mother. Train them up in the way that they should go and they will. Is that not true? Joe, when we actually, when I, we come to say to you, we'd like to, you to be the people who invite others. We can tend to err on the side of, really, Fiona, you want me to invite people to the church? What happens if some nutter stands up there and does something that's really embarrassing, like shake, shout out in tongues? Joe, if there's a one piece of advice I do tell my children whenever we go somewhere, could you act normal? 
who are, what other mother has said that to their kids. You know what they've been like in the home when there's been a rammy or there's been a rough and tumble and the banter that goes on between my kids. And I'll say, could you act normal? We're going to church. We're go could, could you act normal? We're going to be out in public. Is there any other mother that would ever admit to saying that sort of thing to their kids? There's, there's, a couple, there's a couple down here. Come on, act normal. Do you know when we've got people coming into the church, could you act normal? Yes, we are full of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we, are, we follow a God that's a supernatural God. But if people were to come into the church and seeing you guys acting abnormal, what do you think that's going to do? This has just been real. This is a real moment, right? I'm not saying deny the Holy Spirit and his work upon your life. Not at all. But if we, don't have, if we have people coming into this church and we don't act normal and welcome them in. Do you know when you go to somebody else's house, do you go? knowing that you can just go right into their fridge. Unless you feel quite at home, you feel really like you're invited and that it's, you've got permission to do that. Would you just go into their house and open up their fridge and go, hey, can I just, have you got anything decent to eat? I used to have a kid that wasn't my kid. He used to always come into my house, go straight to my fridge and go, you get anything decent to eat, Fiona? And shut my fridge and go, no. And then go to the mother cupboard and see if there was any crisps or biscuits. Do you know, we have people that come into their church, this church and I want them to feel at home. If we come into a place and you don't feel at home, what do you do? You sit and you act awkward. You feel like, well, I'm not coming back to this place. I went to a coffee shop yesterday that was a really beautiful setting. It really was. It was, it was a new one. I'm not going to tell you where it was because you'll all turn up there the next time I go. I'm only joking. I went to the place. Where was it again? I can't even remember. I can't, it was beside Tensfield Beach, whatever it's called. The Rind. And anyway, that's not advertising, by the way. They haven't paid for me. Anyway, when I went, it was a beautiful setting. I ordered my cake and ordered my coffee, and it was the driest bit of cake I've ever had. Do you know what went through my mind? I'll not be back here. Do you know, folk come into this church and we offer them dry worship, dry welcome, a dry piece of horrible coffee, the toilets are stinking. Do you know, they frequently will have the attitude of, I'm not coming back here. Is, that, is this being real? Can we be real? We don't have to be super spiritual all the time. Let's be real. When folk want to come to this church, please have an attitude of, you're welcome. Joe, you know I've got my fridge. I've got some sweeties. Would you like, some? I've got some food. We need to have people come into this place and feel like they're welcome and then come and open up our fridge. So in the Bible, Dr. Luke, who wrote one of the four gospels, now he wasn't a firsthand experienced man of Jesus, but he was one who wrote, who was like the journal, the journalist who wrote about all what Jesus had done because he'd been told by Simon Peter, who Simon Peter was one of the first disciples that Jesus said, hey, come follow me. So Dr. Luke actually showed to us how, what Jesus' viewpoint of how to invite, what, Je what invitation to Jesus actually looks like. And I want to summarize a story from Luke 14. In Luke 14, Jesus was on his way to a religious leader's house because he'd been invited. And when he was on his way, he came across this man whose body was racked with pain. They call it dropsy. This, body's, this man's body was swollen with pain. He had swollen joints. He really found it struggled to move. And when Jesus was on his way, he found someone who was in his way. You see, so often in our life, we are on our way to something, on our way to work, on our way to church, on our way to visiting family or friends. We are on our way to a place, and frequently we pass people that we don't even notice. You see, when Jesus was on his way, he saw someone who was in his way. Do you know there's so many people who are in our way who have swollen spiritual bodies, who are in need of a touch and a healing. From, that can only come from Jesus. 
Be those people who have got eyes wide open that when I'm on my way, I'm seeing who's in my way, who needs to know who Jesus is. So this guy, so Jesus went and he saw this guy. And remember, he was surrounded by all these guys who were the religious leaders, who were spiritually correct. And he knew that they were watching him. They were watching him ready for him to slip up because Jesus was the new guy on the block. And these guys had been through all their seminary. They had been through all their training. They knew what all the religious rights and rules and regulations were. And they were watching Jesus and they were looking for, well, what are you going to do about this then, son? And so they had this attitude, ready to correct. And I'm quite sure that within Jesus, there was a little touch of Scottish charismanism within him. I'm quite sure there was. You see, I think what was going through Jesus' mind was, I'm going to blow your religious thinking out the water and just watch. A little bit of what I call the Scottish charismania that's within us all. And this wasn't the first time that Jesus had healed a man. Remember just before that, there was a woman who had been bent over for 18 years and Jesus on the Sabbath in front of all the religious leaders healed this woman so that she could walk straight and they all reacted to him. So I reckon Jesus' attitude was, well, let the games begin. He said, I may be taking liberties here, by the way. I'm stretching scripture a little bit, but I'm summarizing scripture for you so that we all understand exactly how Jesus did the inviting. And I'm going to take it from this story from Luke 14, verse 3. So Jesus asked the experts in religious law and the Pharisees, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? That's what I call a loaded question right there. But they remained silent. In other words, you may have caught me out this time, Jesus, but I will find a way to get you. So Jesus took a hold of the man. He healed him and he sent him away. Can I tell you that Jesus wasn't the lovely Christian man that we think a Christian man should look like? He took a hold of the man. He wasn't bothered about what other people thought he should be doing or shouldn't be doing. He took a hold of this man, recognizing this man needed healing. This man needed to know a freedom in his body. He took a hold of this man. He prayed for him and he was healed and he was sent away. And then he went into the house. Now remember, these men had just seen that Jesus had put grace above law. And Jesus challenged them. And he said, basically, if this was your kid, what would you want me to do? You see, we can put rules and regulations of how religion should be and how things should be like, but when it comes to this is me and mine, God, this is what, my, my, my body's in pain, my child's body's in pain, my family's body's in pain. Jesus doesn't look at what you should do, but Jesus is putting grace above the law here. So after this rather awkward highlighting of their stinking, rotten attitudes of religious men, he went into the house and he saw the table was set, the atmosphere was set, beer was on tap, servants were was waiting to serve him, the food was all laid out, and then all these religious men, a bit like my teenagers. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever traveled with three teenagers in a car. Does anybody ever have a fight to get to the front seat in their family? Okay, none of you ever want to admit such a thing. It happens in my family. When I'm going into the car and I go, right, let's go, we're going. Now, I'm really glad I'm past the stage if I don't need to seatbelt them all in, but they fight for the front seat. It's my turn. No, it's not. Small fry, move over. This is my turn. You had a turn yesterday. This is my turn. And there's this debate going on. And it's like when a guest comes to our house and they know the rules. If a guest comes to our house, we take their coat, we show them to their seats. And when it comes to the table, you give them the best seat. They don't sit at the leg. They don't sit at the corner. You give them the best seat. And then when you 
your wee sister gives him the best seat and she's a wee chancer and she comes and she takes the next best seat after her father. You can see the big sister going, really? You think so? You just think because you're sitting in that seat, you won't need to clear up the plates. Come. Insights into the pastor's family. I've trained them. When we welcome people into the home, we welcome them and we keep the welcome going. We don't fight for what's rightfully ours. You keep on giving and you prefer others before you. So here was Jesus in this house and he saw these religious leaders fighting for the best seat. To me, this is just what teenagers would do. And this is what Jesus did. So he had just come. He just rebuked them very nicely. And now he was going to rebuke them again for their self-preference. And he gave them the talk that I would have given to my children. He said, you put them others first. And then he gave them a further spanking. I can relate to Jesus over this. I really can. This is what he said. He said, stop inviting those and such as those. Stop inviting the ones that you know are going to bring you a decent bottle of red to match your meal. Stop inviting the ones that you know can actually invite you back. But let's start looking at who we can invite that probably won't be smelling as good, probably won't actually have a home in which they can invite you back to, but people who need to know that they're cherished enough that you've made food and that you've invited them into your home. We need to see where the spiritual, swollen bodies who are wracked with pain, who are in our way when we are on our way. Meanwhile, their eyes, their eyes were a little bit out in gobstoppers, and some were ready to fight back. How very dare you? This is my home. You're speaking to me like this. You can imagine what was going on in their, ho- in their mind. But listen, Jesus was on a roll. He wasn't ready to let them talk just yet. He said this. He actually started to speak to them in a parable. And a parable is a story that Jesus used when he was trying to reiterate a point, communicating to the people. So he used this parable. He said there was once a man who prepared the greatest of banquets. Can you just imagine? I mean, what's your favorite foods? I can imagine going into this, this, this great banquet. There'll be cheesecake, there'll be profiteroles, there'll be a chocolate fountain, there'll be lamb just falling off the bone, there'll be really sweet roasted potatoes, there'll be red wine, there'll be a glass of water to match it, to wash it all down, there'll be a roaring fire, there'll be a little wee Irish whiskey afterwards with a cup of coffee and a wee chocolate mint at the side. Now that would be my sort of banquet. So here's this man, he prepared a banquet and he said, the guy said, he says, I want you to go and take these invitations. I want you to go and invite. I've got everything ready. I want you to go and take these invitations. And I want you to take these invitations. And I want you to go and invite the guests to come in. So he waited. And he waited. Everything was set. The servants were on hand. I was just getting a wee bit late. Well, I thought they were going to be here. Did you say it was going to start at seven? It was now half past seven. So you can see the, the servants were rather awkwardly stoking the fire, straightening the cutlery, straightening the chairs, everything's ready, ready to go. The food's, I'm keeping the food warm, keep, it's in the food warmer. And the boss is starting to pace up and down. Where are they? Where are they? And the servants are sitting there really quite awkward. Oh, there's been some text come in. Oh, what are they saying? Okay, this is what the text said. One said this, uh, this guy's got a deadline to meet at work. Uh, he's got his mother to look after, uh, he's got sports, kids at the sports camp, 
Hashtag otherwise occupied. Uh, here's another guy, here's another, another response, Jesus, or another boss. Here's another response. Uh, this man has just got married and he's otherwise occupied. Hashtag awkward. Then there was another guy. Uh, another text, Jesus. Um, boss, sorry, another text. They've just eaten at McDonald's, so they're not really hungry. They've asked, though, same time next week. Hashtag overfed Christian. Oh, this one. He's just wanting a night in. New Netflix series is on. He wants to catch up. He's got his buddies round. Sorry. Hashtag, it's all about me. They looked at each other. This is rather awkward. It's rather awkward. Um, what now, boss? I mean, uh, we really could do with a good catch-up. Could do with a binge. <laughs> Netflix series is on. Quite fancy it myself. And the boss looked, and he was mad. And you know, I don't know about you, but when I get mad in my, kid, in my home, my kids start going, all right, let's get busy before she aims it at us. And so these guys were getting around, getting busy, and getting busy. And this is what the, this is what the boss said. You ready? Luke, verse, Luke 14, verse 21. The servant approached him. And he reported back to the host. And he told them all their excuses. So the master became really angry and he said to the servant, go out at once throughout the whole city and invite anyone that you find. The poor, the blind, disabled, the hurting, the lonely, and invite them to my banquet. You see, here's the thing. God's already sent his son's got his table prepared for us. The meal is already prepared. Do you know what our job is? It's not to stoke the fire. It's not to straighten the cutlery. It's not to straighten the chairs, but it's actually to get out there and invite but you know what, when I have invited Fiona, they've got football on, they've got this is me time on a Sunday. Do you know what, okay, we've done the inviting. They've said no, let's move on to the next one. Keep on having a culture of, I'm going to invite, I'm going to invite, I'm going to invite. See this whole pop-up church thing that we're doing? We're preparing the table. There's so many people who are working to make, because we've got access to one of the best buildings in Dundee, where there's stage, there's lighting, there's everything that we could possibly do, so it's easy for people to come in and be invited. And I'm going to give you my word that there'll be no abnormalities, because <laughs> remember I said, act normal. We're going to show people, this is what Jesus is really like. You come in with your swollen spiritual bodies, I know a God who can heal you. I know a God who can bring restoration to you. So church, our job is to go out there and invite. Here's the thing. If we start to think like Jesus thought, we'll start to invite like Jesus invited. One of the first quotes of Jesus in the Bible was an invitation. He said, come follow me. That was one of his first things he said. Did you see that story in the news last week? It actually really broke my heart of the wee six-year-old boy who'd invited his whole class his party. All the pizzas were ready, the goodie baggies were ready. If you got that picture, you got that picture of the wee boy, there he is. He's sitting there because nobody turned up to his party. I don't know about you, but season mother, I was like, oh my goodness. And so the mother put it up on social media. Now, I'd be a bit humiliated about that and probably wouldn't have put it up on social media. I reckon she put it up in indignation of, we prepared the whole lot and nobody came and now my kid is feeling really isolated, rejected, left out. 
And so then she got these invites from all the footballers who said, why don't you come to our game? This pizza company actually came, brought all the pizzas to the party and they had this big party at the school. Do you know what? If we send out the invitations, follow through on the RSVPs. Because I don't want to turn up and find there's nobody there. I may have done all the work in the background, making sure everything's good for people to come in. Oh, I forgot to invite I forgot to invite. God is saying, rear the invitations. Verse 22. The servants had gone out. They'd got back, brought back a lot of people who they could. They brought quite a lot to eat. They were feeling pretty chuffed with themselves at this point. Verse 22. When the servant returned to his master, he said, but sir, I've done all that you've asked, but there's still room for more. Do you know what the miracle about this story is? is never as a church should we put our, a lid on our capacity to reach out to others. There is always room for more. So keep on inviting. If you get one knockback, that's okay. We're going to keep on inviting. Verse 23. So the master told them, all right, all right. Get back out there again. And this time bring them all back. Persuade the beggars on the streets, the outcasts, even the homeless, and urgently insist that they come in and enjoy the feast so that my house will be full. Another version says to insistently, to insistently persuade them, to compel them, to tell them. Can I just say, we don't actually have the liberty to say, I've got my invitation. If you don't have yours, suck it up. I'm not bothered. I've got my own invitation. Do you know, according to God's word, it's up to us to get out there and invite. Because we know how this story actually ends. The story ends by the end of it all, that on the day of judgment, God will separate the goats from the sheep. And we have our invitation right here, that we can go out and we can invite and this is the very reason why, verse 24, I say to all of you, the one who receives an invitation to feast with me and makes excuses, they'll never enjoy my banquet. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I'm at that banquet and there's other people with me enjoying that banquet. Sometimes, can I take this bit of paper? It's relentless. Sometimes we can take our invitation and we just put it down I've got my invitation, Netflix is on. I've got my invitation, I've got other things that's going on. Sometimes we take our invitation and in our own lives, we start to say, you know what, I will be there, I will be there. Honestly, I will be. But see, during the week, I start to live my life where I'm not really honoring God and I'm kind of ripping up areas of my own invitation and just slowly just putting it to the side. You know, my lifestyle... It's okay to drink a bit much because you know what helps me get to sleep and really other folk are doing it and nobody really from the church sees me doing it. And then we start ripping up another little bit of my invitation and I kind of let it go. And my lifestyle is, do you know what, I'm not really honoring God. I know that. And every time we're not really honoring God, all we're doing is just ripping another little bit of our invitation. But I've still got my invitation. Do you know what? I can just do but if I'm going to church, it's okay. And we start to just rip up our own invitation. And then we get that when the banquet is on and I know I've got my invitation and I've got to go, sometimes I think, 
this is my invitation, God. Will you accept it? And God is saying, it doesn't matter if you've just got this much left of your invitation. God will always accept you to come and eat at his banquet. Because God always wants to bring you healing. You see, we first knew the truth so that we could take the truth to others. And sometimes all the invitations, and we feel like, well, really, my life is not really in a place where I can go and do the inviting. Because I know what I'm really like, and then I'd have to actually show myself. This is my invitation, people. It's a little bit crumpled. But you know what God says? I'm going to find you another invitation. I'm going to take another bit of the... If this is living hope, is that okay? It's living hope. <laughs> Prophetic. And then they take another invitation. God says, this is your invitation and it's clean. And do you want to know why it's clean? Because I sent my son Jesus to die for you so that you may have a clean invitation to come into my table. Do you know what? Never ever disqualify yourself as an inviter. Other folk will do the inviting because you know what? They've got much more holy lives than what I do. I know exactly what I like. I know that really my invitation looks like this. But God is saying, People need to see the real you so they can see that their invitation that they get and what they've got to present as their RSVP is this is what I've got to offer. This is why it's important because people need to know that they have an invitation to know who Jesus is so that they get to the judgment day and know that they can be separated from the sheep and the goats. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be sitting lonely at that table. And knowing that I didn't bring my family with me. I didn't bring people who I know are so close to me. I didn't bring them with me. Because I screwed up my own invitation. God wants our whole heart. And don't come to nibble at the table either. Because my invitation's like this. See, when you come into this place, you get ready to worship knowing that God is so delighted that you came God, I'm just going to stuff it because you know what? That's my sin issues. And I won't be able to worship because really you know what's going on. They can worship because they've had a righteous holy life this week and it's all good for them. But you know what? My life sucks. <laughs> but God is saying, please, I've got this table set for you. I've got my son who's already died for you. you I'll give you another invitation. Here it is. Here it is. Who we bring into the table? I'm going to ask the band to come join me. Who we bring into the table? Don't disqualify yourself. And don't stop your inviting. I'm going to ask you all to stand. Father, we want to be a generation that keeps on telling the next generation of all the good things our God has done for us. Father, for those who felt like their invitation, that they have been the ones to rip up their own invitation, Father, I pray, oh God, that you would bring a healing and a restoration to our lives. To know, God, that I am qualified to invite because of Jesus. Because none of us are actually technically qualified because all of us are sinners. 
But I want to give you the invitation today. If you want to know that Jesus, if you want to have your invitation that you know is real and is clean, I believe there's two sets of people here. There's people who you know you need to come back to God because you know that things have gone on in your life. Your invitation's all screwed up. You've ripped it up. You've, you've screwed it up yourself. But God is saying, I want you to come back to my table. Full banquet in front of you, not just to nibble at the crumbs, not to come and actually be the ones you feel I've got to be serving others because I don't deserve to be sitting there. You deserve to be at that table pure and simply because of Jesus. And for others, we feel like we can't really be doing the invitation because really I'm not too sure what to expect or what is expected of me. All I'm saying is let's obey what God's asked us to do. Let's just go and tell other people, let's go follow Jesus. Let's go follow the truth because you know, God is real, Jesus is real. Jesus came, he died a sinless man so that we may know that we are sin free, so that we've got our invitation into heaven. Father, I thank you, God, for your son, Jesus. I thank you, God, that every one of us has been given the invitation to come and eat at your banquet. Father, will you heal those, oh God, who know they've destroyed their own invitation? Will you bring healing to their emotions, healing to their bodies, healing to their shame? Because Father, we wanna know we have a clean invitation to come and sit at your table. Father, may the rest of us, may those who know that they have their invitation, know that they can go out there and keep on inviting to your banquet because you, oh God, want your house full. You want to see hell be plundered and heaven be populated. You want to see your house so full of people that are yours, that you created, but the enemy tried to destroy. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Jesus, I thank you for my invitation. I'm going to hold on to that invitation, knowing that you shed your life so I can have that invitation. You gave your life. And Father, I want to come into your kingdom today because I make that decision to follow you. This is the end of your teaching for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. 